Well, good morning, everyone. So for those of you who do not know me, my name is Jill Hires. I'm a member of Shiloh's Small Group Steering Committee, and I am just so excited for this opportunity to share with you this morning. This is something that God put on my heart a couple of months ago and something that I've been walking out lately in my life, so I'm excited to be here to share. So I, this is actually my second time giving a message here at Shiloh. I was able to share a message last year on Palm Sunday, and I realized that after I gave that message that I had made a terrible mistake. And so I'm hoping today that I can right my wrongs and fix that. You see, I said my name is Jill Hires, so I'm a Hires. My father-in-law is Pastor Ed Hires, and I realized that I didn't start that last message with a song. So I just wanted to say that I'm very sorry, and I'm so sorry that I let Ed down, but to make it up to him, we're going to kick it off with a song today in true hires preaching tradition. So here we go. So raise your hand if you don't know what that is the theme song to. Is there anyone here who's in the dark? Oh, we have one person. That's all right. I'm going to let you know. So can we say it all together? That's the theme song to Mission Impossible. That's right. So Mission Impossible was a TV series. It took place from 1966 to 1973. So way, way, way before my time, I have to say. Um, so the TV series followed the IMF. That's the Impossible Missions Force. And this was an elite task force of secret agents. They were given their missions by cassette tape. That kind of dates the show in and of itself. Um, but they were essentially asked to take on these missions to save the world and to do things that were impossible by any known means. Well, even if you haven't seen the TV show, there's a chance you've heard of the Mission Impossible movies. They star Tom Cruise. There's actually been six of those movies. I had no idea there were that many until I researched it. The most recent one was from last year, 2018. And if you're fans of the movies, then get excited because I read that there's going to be movies seven and eight coming out in 2021 and 2022. So I'm sure we'll blink and it'll be here, right? So in these movies, it stars Ethan Hunt, it's played by Tom Cruise, and he just, he works for the IMF, and he does some of the craziest impossible things that you can imagine. He hangs from cliffs by one hand, he climbs up the outside of tall, hundred-story glass buildings, because, you know, why would you take the elevator when you can climb on the outside of the building, right? He dangles off of helicopters right before they crash into the side of the mountain, and all this is going on while a nuclear bomb is being diffused, you know, with seconds to spare. So Ethan Hunt manages to save the world every time before those ending credits arrive, and he always manages to do what to the rest of us seem to be impossible. Now, there's a good chance that nobody here works for a secret agency, although we do have this running joke with some small group friends of ours that one of our small group members uses his supposed employment as an accountant as a ruse for a secret life of espionage. We haven't proven anything yet, but there might be a spy among us. But chances are, most of us here, we're not spending our time diffusing nuclear bombs, we're not hanging upside down from helicopters. But we do all go through hard and challenging situations. We do all go through things that sometimes can seem impossible for us. 
So these impossible situations, they can be health situations, like you go to the doctor's office for a checkup, you're expecting to just get a clean bill of health, and you're given some unexpected bad news. Or you're getting ready to go away on a vacation, and your kids get sick. Because let's face it, kids always time their sicknesses to ruin your lives, right? Let's say these situations could be relationship impossible situations. So you have that one coworker that for some reason just does not like you and wants to make your life miserable. Or you know, you're fighting with your spouse. Or if you do have kids, you can have problems with those kids impossible situations, whether they're adult children, they're teenagers, or they're all the way down to toddlers. These impossible situations might be financial, like you have unexpected bills because your car decides it doesn't want to work anymore, or you find yourself that you lose your job. So these impossible situations, they can leave us feeling pretty desperate and disappointed sometimes, and sometimes we face them and we can feel pretty helpless and hopeless. Now, unfortunately, when we're going through an impossible situation, we can't just call up the IMF to come to our rescue and help us. But we actually have access to something even better, something even more powerful. And so Matthew 26 says that Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is, an impossi this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You see, we have access to God the Father, Jesus' Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Trinity specializes in coming to our rescue and helping us with our impossible situations to make them possible. So the title of our message today, it's not actually Mission Impossible, but our title is Mission I'm Possible. So did you see what I did there? One tiny little apostrophe, and the whole meaning of that title just completely changes. An apostrophe might be small, but it can have a big difference in the meaning of a word. So one of the definitions of an apostrophe, according to Webster's, is that it's a punctuation mark used to indicate the omissions of letters and numbers. So in the case of I'm possible, the missing letter is an A, and it's I am possible. Now, go back with me a long time ago. God was talking to Moses through the burning bush, and he was sending Moses on his own mission to free the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. Moses asked God, okay, who should I tell them is sending me? What should I even call you? And then God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So when we change impossible to I'm possible or I am possible, what we're doing is we're inviting God to come into our impossible situation and start working. We're telling ourselves that the great I am, the creator of the entire universe, the one who knit me together in my mother's womb, the one who knows every single one of my days before I've lived out a single one of them, the one whose words says that he has plans to prosper me, not to harm me. We're saying that he is working in the impossible and that he's capable of making all things possible. Now, this concept of making impossible into I'm possible, I wish I could take credit for it, but I'm not that creative. It comes from Christian author and speaker Lisa Turkhurst's latest book, and her book is called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. So the tagline for the book, as you can see, is finding unexpected strength when disappointments leave you shattered. 
So in this book, Lisa talks about some of the challenging and hard things that she's been walking through lately. She shares candidly and openly about her husband's unfaithfulness and his many affairs over years. She talks about how she almost died and needed emergency gastrointestinal surgery, problems with adult children, and she also shares about how she got an unexpected breast cancer diagnosis as she's in the middle of writing this book. So despite all of her challenging circumstances, all of these things that I think you and I would agree, they're pretty life-shattering, this is what Lisa had to say about them. She wrote, the seemingly impossible work of redemption is always possible with God. The restoration that is impossible with man's limitations is always possible for a limitless God. With God, the impossible becomes I'm possible. God is the great I am, Therefore, he is my possibility for hope and healing. I'm possible is a much more comforting way to look at anything that feels quite impossible, anything that feels like it's too much to handle. See, I think Lisa recognizes what we all as human beings can recognize, and that's the fact that we live in a fallen world, and sometimes there are going to be challenging, hard things that come our way that seem like they're too much for us. I know that I've had some situations in my life that have just completely wrecked me. And we're talking, I'm lying on the floor of my closet, I'm curled up in the fetal position, and I'm just ugly crying all over my carpet kind of wrecked me. Has anyone else been there, been that wrecked by something? See, there's this old saying, it goes that God never gives us more than we can handle. And I don't know about you guys, but that absolutely drives me crazy because it's not even in the Bible. The verse that people base this off of is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That tells us that God never lets us be tempted beyond what we can bear, but then when we are tempted, he makes a way out for us. It doesn't say anything about never having situations in life that are too hard to handle. That's because there will be challenging things in this life that do seem too much for us because we're not supposed to do it on our own. So instead of saying, God won't give me more than I can handle, Perhaps we can flip that around and instead say, God's got a hand on all that I'm facing. And he does, you know, even when it doesn't feel like he's there, God really does have a hand on everything that we're going through. Sometimes we do have more in our life than we can handle on our own because we're not supposed to do it on our own. So we're going to pretend that my trusty little coffee travel mug that I take with me everywhere, we're going to pretend that this is a hard and challenging and impossible situation that I'm facing right now that I'm holding on to. So I can go ahead and I can hold this up before you. It's not that heavy. You know, it's not too bad. It's just only, you know, partially filled with coffee because let's face it, a mom never gets to finish her cup of coffee, right? Um, so I can hold this up for a few minutes. I might even be able to go for an hour or two, but let's be real. I, I don't have that much upper body strength and chances are I'm going to start complaining and whining to you very soon about how heavy this feels. And if I'm expected to carry this impossible situation like this all day, every day, 24-7, there's just no way I can do that in my own strength. I can't do that alone. You see, we need to give up what we're facing over to God because he can handle it in his strength. He can do what's impossible, but we're not able of doing on our own. Matthew 11:28 through 30 says, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, "'and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
And then another great promise in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, I just love these two promises because there are days where I definitely feel like I'm weary and I'm burdened and I'm weak. Now, I know the impossible situations, those hard and challenging things that have come my way, things that I'm walking through. And there are some of you here that I'm close with, and so I know some of the things that you've walked through as well. But for most of you here today, I don't know what challenges and what impossible things you're facing in your life, but I do know and I trust this. I know that God knows what you're going through, and I know that he wants to come alongside you, and he wants to make your impossible situation into an I'm possible situation. And so in light of all of this, I have a mission for each one of you today. So your mission, if you choose to accept it, is this. I want you to stop for a moment and I want you to think about some hard and challenging thing that you're facing right now. You can close your eyes if that helps you focus, but think about something that's going on in your life that seems impossible and actually put a name to it. And so the mission today is going to be to start to look at that not as an impossible situation, but as a mission, I am possible. So how do we even do that? Well, we're going to start by looking at some examples in the Bible of how God showed up and worked for those who went through hard and challenging times. Now, I'm not an engineer like Pastor Greg, but I am a pharmacist, and so we are also organizational nerds. We love when things are in order. And so I get really excited about tables, so I've decided to include a table today. Um, So the left column is going to be our Bible character and our story that we're talking about. The middle column is the impossible situation that they faced. And then the I'm possible column is how God showed up to work and help them. So a lot of these stories are probably going to be familiar to most of you today. In fact, there are some here that you've probably heard dozens and dozens of times, but I'd really encourage you to still listen and pay attention and really listen and try to hear that theme of God making the impossible into I'm possible. This is a theme that we'll show today that's woven all throughout the scriptures. All right, so we're going to go ahead. We'll start close to the beginning. We're going back to Genesis chapter 21. Our characters are Sarah and Abraham. So God had told Abraham that he would be a father of many nations with his wife, Sarah. The impossible thing was Abraham didn't have any children with Sarah. Sarah was actually barren. She wasn't able to have kids. Couple that with the fact that Abraham and Sarah, they were both very old. I work in a geriatric doctor's office, and let me tell you, Abraham and Sarah would have fit right in with that patient population. They were way too old to be having children. But God showed up to make their situation I'm possible instead of impossible. Genesis 21 tells us that the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So we can read that story and we can remind ourselves that when God makes a promise, he is going to fulfill it even if it seems impossible to us. 
So we're going to fast forward just a little bit to the book of Joshua. And so my son Joshua is actually staying in the service to hear me this time. He went over to class for first service. So he was very excited that we were using something from his book of the Bible. Uh, So we already talked about Moses already. We talked about how Moses was used by God to free the Israelites. And then God promised his chosen people a land that was flowing with milk and honey. Sounds absolutely delicious, right? The problem was this land, it was guarded by this tall wall called Jericho. But God showed up once again. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. It's a really cool illustration that no matter how big and daunting something seems in our life, there's no wall that's too tall for God to tear down for us. Now, King David came from very humble roots. He was just a young shepherd boy when God chose him and anointed him to be Israel's next king. And then a few years later, while David was still young, the Israelites were facing the Philistine army. And this time, their problem wasn't a wall, it was a person. I'm sure you know his name. His name was Goliath. He was a giant that stood over nine feet tall, and he was the Philistine's secret weapon, their best fighter. Now, even though David was small and he was young and he was ill-equipped, the king's armor was too heavy for him to even put on, David trusted and had seen God deliver him before, and so he trusted that God would show up for him again, and he certainly did. We read in 1 Samuel that as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and he killed him. Good reminder, God's capable of taking down all the giants in our lives as well. Now, the story of Queen Esther, it's one of my favorite Bible stories, and it's also one of my kids' favorite Veggie Tales movies. It's one that we play in my minivan frequently. Uh, Esther's impossible situation was that she was taken into a foreign land to be queen, taken away from her family. And she was also a woman in a time where I'm pretty, it's pretty safe to say, it was not easy to be a woman back then. So Esther got wind of this evil man named Haman creating a plot to take down her people, the Jewish people. And her cousin Mordecai was actually a guard at the palace, and he urged Esther to use her position as queen to do something about this evil plan. It's that whole, you know, maybe you've come to this position for such a time as this, Esther. Well, the problem was that even though Esther was queen, you couldn't just march yourself before the king and start making demands. You needed to be invited to go before the king, or it could be your life. You could be executed. And actually, in the VeggieTales movie, instead of execution, you were sent to the island of perpetual tickling, which for me actually sounds worse than execution, but I think that would be a toss-up which one I would want to go for. So anyways, Esther didn't have time to wait for this invitation to come. You know, this was an urgent, must-deal-with-this-now situation. So she had to make a choice to be brave, trust God, and go before the king. So she went before him and said, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. Spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. And so the king asked Queen Esther, who is he? Where is he, the man who's dared to do such a thing? And Esther said, an adversary and an enemy, 
this vile Haman. And so rather than God's chosen people being destroyed, Haman was executed for his crimes. And God used Esther's impossible situation to accomplish great things, just like he can use whatever we're going through to make an impact as well. Daniel was another young Jewish person who was taken from his family at a young age, taken captive and brought into a foreign land. But throughout his whole time in Babylon, his faith in God remained strong. And he actually got in trouble for praying to God instead of praying to the king. He got thrown into a den of lions. Now, I don't think these were cute little Simba lion cubs like that live action Lion King movie that's coming out later this year. No, these were really scary lions. And it was tough because the king actually really liked and respected Daniel, but the law was the law. And so his hands were really tied. So Daniel spent the night all alone in a hole with some hungry lions, not the kind of impossible situation I want to be thrown into. But God showed up, and at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, May my king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. Now, the story goes on to say that that king, Darius, he actually issued an order after this to have everyone in that land worship Daniel's God, worship the one true God. So we just don't know what impossible situations might have for a kingdom impact. They may be what actually points people to the Lord. So those are our Old Testament examples. We're going to go ahead and share a few things from the New Testament. So Peter was one of Jesus's followers. After Jesus's death, resurrection, and ascension back into heaven, Peter ran around and he shared the gospel, the good news about Jesus with others. Problem was that was a big no-no back then. And so Peter found himself in jail in an impossible situation. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and said, hey, quick, get up. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. Paul was another person who preached the gospel during the days of the early church. Uh, Paul talked about some of his impossible situations in the book of 2 Corinthians. And so get ready for this because Paul went on quite the ride. Paul said, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and the day in, an open, in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles. I've been in danger not just in the city, but the country, in danger at sea, and I'm in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. So 
I think it's pretty safe to say that we all agree that Paul went through a lot, much more than probably any of us will ever go through. But he had such a great perspective about all of these impossible situations. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 9 through 10, But this, all of these impossible situations, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again and again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And so then the last example I want to share with you from the Bible is Jesus himself, you know, God's only son, the walking and talking and breathing God made human. He loved nothing more than to intervene to make the impossible I'm possible. And if you notice, I totally removed that impossible column. That's because Jesus didn't see any situation that he faced as being impossible because he knew and fully trusted that with God, all things are possible. With Jesus, the lame could walk, the blind could see, the unclean were made clean, the sick were healed, the dead were brought back to life, the hungry were fed, storms were calmed, and through his death on the cross, sins were forgiven, and salvation was made possible for all of us. Through his sacrifice for us, the great I am permanently made the impossible, I am possible. So those are some pretty awesome stories. And again, I'm sure a lot of those were familiar to you, but I hope you really were able to see that theme of God making the impossible into I'm possible. I think it's important that we read how God worked long time ago, but I think it's also important to hear about how God is working in the here and now in our church family. You know, we got to hear from Josh about his ministry overseas with his wife, Becca, and, you know, they've gone through some hard challenges, but God is moving and God is showing up and doing things. And we got to hear how Mr. Allard is cancer-free. Um, it's just such an incredible testimony of how God is doing the impossible. So I have three other stories that I'm going to share with you. Rather than bringing them up on stage for the sake of time, and also because some of them are teaching next door, I'll briefly share their stories for them. And I do want to say that I did get their permission ahead of time to share about this. Um, so this first picture is of the Syverson families, in case you don't know them. Uh, Bethany and Jason are there. They're the parents, and they have six wonderful children. They range from age four all the way up to their son, Caleb, recently graduated from high school. Now, they may have a large family, one of our, the larger families here at Shiloh now, but that wasn't always the case for them. Um, Bethany and Jason went through a long and difficult journey um, trying to have the family they have today. Uh, they went through an impossible situation over many years, one that was filled with infertility, multiple miscarriages, failed adoptions. But they kept their faith in God throughout a, that entire experience, and they saw how God moved in the impossible to bring them where they are today, a loving family of eight. Bethany actually felt like God put it on her heart to write a book about her journey. And so she recently published a book. It's called Mustard Seed Faith, A Journey Through Infertility, Miscarriages, Adoption, and Faith. Now, in the book description on Amazon, it says that it's a story of believing in a God who is powerful enough and generous enough to do the impossible. And I just love that she points back to God's generosity. 
Now, she's already received feedback from people that she doesn't know that they've read her book, and that it's really helped them to just develop this strong trust and strong faith again, that they've rededicated their lives to Christ and, you know, are following God again. Just such an amazing impact that book has been able to have. So I would really encourage you to pick up a copy to help you with your own journey through your impossible situations. You can find it on Amazon, Christian book distributors, or you can talk to Bethany sometime at church as well. So next, these are our good friends, Dave and Brittany Michaud. They're um, friends of ours and also assistant leaders in our small group. And they're the ones that are actually teaching the pre-K class next door today. Uh, so Dave and Brittany found themselves in an impossible situation when a car ran into their house earlier this year. Yes, you heard me correctly. A car actually ran into their house. Now, when a car drives into a house, that's hilarious when it happens on an episode of Full House. I don't know if you remember that episode, but Michelle's like, there's a car in the kitchen, and nobody will believe her. Uh, having a car run into your house, though, is not at all funny when it happens in real life. We saw Dave and Brittany walk through this situation for a while. Now, the good news is, praise the Lord, nobody was home um, at the time, so nobody got injured. But Dave and Brittany were left with a giant hole in their dining room, and you can see the snow and the slush on the ground. This was during a cold New England month. Now, it sounds like an annoying, impossible situation, a big headache, but they saw God show up in a number of different I am possible ways. Now, the driver of the car wasn't insured because, let's just face it, that's just kind of how those things go. Uh, but the good news is that their homeowner's insurance actually paid to repair all of the damages. In fact, based on where the damage was, their homeowner's insurance also paid to have their whole first floor hardwood floors redone, and they took down a wall to open up their space, something that Dave and Brittany had been talking about doing for years. And then while these repairs were going on, Dave and Brittany stayed with family members who don't know Jesus yet as Savior. And so they were able to be a witness to them. I remember Dave coming to small group one night, and he was just really exhausted and had no energy. And if you know Dave, that's not him. He's usually bouncing and excited. And so I was like, Dave, what's going on? Why are you so tired? And he said that he had gotten to stay up the night before really late into the wee hours of the morning, talking to these family members, sharing the gospel with them, sharing his testimony, an opportunity they might not have had if they hadn't been staying there because of the damage done to their house. And then finally, and this just goes to show how awesome Dave and Brittany are, they found out that that neighbor that drove his car into their house he has a really troubled life. He's facing a lot of impossible situations in his life and doesn't know the Lord. And so they've been able to pray for their troubled neighbor since that accident. You see, God took this annoying, headache, impossible situation hole in their house, and he brought a lot of blessings from it. And so finally, the last example in our church body is my adorable nephew, Matthew Lacasse. And so he's pictured there with his sister, Ellie. And so Matthew, I mean, we have a lot of cute kids here in Shiloh, but I mean, he goes into a room and he smiles and he just lights up the entire space. He is so sweet. Uh, he's like a lot of other almost two-year-olds. He'll be two this July. So he loves to be curious and get himself into trouble. Uh, he loves to eat, uh, especially ice cream in the summer. And he loves to play with his big sister, Ellie, and with his cousins, my two kids, Emily and Joshua. See, Matthew might be like a lot of almost two-year-olds, but he's been facing an impossible situation since the very moment he was born. 
Matthew has hypoplastic left heart syndrome. It's HLHS for short. And essentially what that means is that he was born without a functioning left side of his heart. So he's not even two yet, but he's already had two open heart surgeries. And he has his third open heart surgery coming up this summer on August 1st. So if you can please remember that date and please remember to keep he and his family in your prayers, I would really appreciate that. Seeing my brother Mark and his wife Amanda and their family walk through this, I am so proud of them because I can't even imagine what they've gone through. This has been anything but easy for them. It's been such a challenge. But again, just like with these other situations, they've seen God show up. If Matthew had been born 35 or 40 years ago, it would have been a completely different prognosis than it is today. And he lives less than an hour from one of the most prestigious hospitals in the world for his condition, Boston Children's. There are people that travel thousands and thousands of miles from all over the world to get care at a hospital that's less than 100 miles from us. And finally, God gave Matthew just the best disposition. He's just totally easygoing. He's a carefree kid who's happy and loves to laugh. And that disposition is going to do a lot for him over the years as he continues to walk through this impossible situation. You see, like Matthew, sometimes our impossible situations don't change right away. And sometimes they don't go the way that we think that they're going to go. The Israelites had to walk around that wall of Jericho for seven years. And prior to that, they had to walk through the desert for 40 years, excuse me, seven days. And then they had to walk through the desert for 40 years before they actually got delivered into that promised land. And remember, we read about all of Paul's impossible situations. He said that he spent a night and a day in the open sea. That is literally my worst nightmare. I cannot imagine being in the ocean for a night and a day with all these fish and other creatures touching me. Oh, that's terrible. I'm sure Paul would have loved to have been rescued right when a ship went down, right? And even Jesus himself, when he died on the cross, he wasn't raised for three days. It took three days for that. It didn't happen immediately. And I think that's because it goes to show us that sometimes our deliverance isn't immediate. Sometimes we have to walk through things for an undetermined amount of time and continue to trust God in the midst of it. And sometimes our deliverance, it doesn't look the way that we thought it would. Last year on Palm Sunday, I was able to share a message. It was about unmet expectations. And I shared about my expectation that I would have more kids and that I, that hadn't happened for me yet. You know, my walking through secondary infertility, um, you know, and just that struggle of wanting something that wasn't working out. And my situation hasn't changed any since then. So it's comes to the fact that, you know, how can we know that God is still at work in our impossible situations when in the natural we don't see anything changing? Well, I think one of the keys is that we have to stop looking at our impossible situations as impossible situations. We have to stop looking at it in the natural as this bad, horrible news, and we have to instead look at it in the supernatural and focus on God's truth. And we've heard today that God's word, his truth, is filled with wonderful promises about how he wants to come through for us and his ability to make the impossible into I am possible. We have to allow God to change our thinking and renew our minds, and we have to focus our thoughts on good things, not focus on the bad things. 
So we're going to close today by talking about five different ways, practical things we can do to move from the impossible to the I'm possible. So these are things that I've been working on, and honestly, they're things that I sometimes struggle with. But the good news is we do serve a faithful God who wants nothing more than to come alongside us and work with us as we go through our challenges. So the first way is what I just talked about. We need to change our perspective. We need to focus on God's truth, not on the bad news. So Josh Locke shared a message a few months ago. It was called God, Your Word Says. And in that message, he talked about how you need to find scripture verses that speak to whatever situation you're going through. And you need to pray into those scripture verses and memorize them. And again, replace your bad news with God's truth. And so if you are facing infertility, you read about Sarah and Hannah and Elizabeth. If you have another health situation, you find verses about healing. If you're hurting in a human relationship or you're lonely, then you read some of David's Psalms about some of his challenges. And as you're reading these scriptures, as you're replacing your bad news with God's truth, you keep in mind Romans 8:28 that says that God can work all things together for good, even if it doesn't end up working out the way that we thought it would. So I have a quick challenge for you. Pick a Bible verse this, this week that speaks to that promise, that, you, that situation that you named earlier. Pick a promise that you can memorize. You can write it on an index card and put it on your bathroom mirror. You can have it pop up as a reminder on your phone. Memorize those verses, those promises God, your word says, and really cling to those. The next step is to get your eyes off of yourself, at least for a little while. Uh, so ourselves and our problems, they can be all-consuming if we let them be. I know um, that I can definitely wallow, and I have thrown some ridiculously epic pity parties in my time. Uh, but the problem is, the more we focus on ourselves and our problems, the more impossible and bigger those problems seem to be. So we need to get a new focus. And one of the best ways to do that is to put yourself out there and find someone else to help and someone to serve. So you can find someone you can encourage who's going through a hard time, Invite someone who's lonely out to coffee. Surf here at Shiloh on a Sunday morning. Help out with the youth group. Serve in your community. When you take your eyes off of yourself and put them onto others, your problems start to seem less and less. Step three is a simple one, but I find this one to be challenging to do sometimes. Step three is just to talk to God about your impossible situation. Um, you know, really talk to him, pour your heart out. And you might say to me, but Jill, you said earlier that God already knows what we're all going through. Well, he does know what we're all going through, but talking to him and really praying honestly with him, that actually changes us. That changes our hearts. And so be real and honest in your prayers. Don't be afraid to tell him how angry you are or how upset you are at the situation you're facing. King David was brutally honest in some of the Psalms that he wrote. It's okay to say, you know, God, this stinks and this is really hard, but you know, I'm going to choose to trust in you, trusting your plan for my life and trusting your goodness. Step four is to talk to someone else. Um, confide in a brother or sister in Christ. Find someone like a Christian counselor or one of the pastors here at Shiloh, someone you can talk to about your impossible situation, what you're going through and how you're feeling. You see, the enemy wants nothing more than to make us feel isolated, to make us feel like we're the only one going through struggles, like we're the only one going through a challenge, and that nobody cares and nobody understands. But that's as far from the truth as it could be. 
I know in my small group since December, there have been six different pregnancy announcements. They just started happening one after another after another. And that was really challenging for me, but I kept my feelings to myself, um, partly because I didn't want to take away from their joy, but also partly because I was feeling sorry for myself and it was hard. And um, you know, I just really started to isolate myself until one night, I just really felt like we had this time of sharing and I just really felt like it was the right time. So I opened up to my small group about how I had been struggling. And I have to tell you, it was so freeing for me. It was like this giant burden, this giant weight was lifted off. And all of a sudden, all those emotions and feelings I was having, I started to be able to manage them better since that moment. So find someone that you can talk to, someone who will encourage you and support you and pray with you and for you. And finally, the last step is to not give up, but you have to give it up. And so sometimes in this life, we can be so overwhelmed with our problems and our struggles that we just want to throw in the towel, throw our hands up and say, that's it. You know, I'm done. I quit. But you see, we can't give up because God doesn't give up on us. We said earlier that God sent his only son, Jesus, into this world to die on the cross for our sins, for you and me, just so he could make a way that we could be with him. You know, he doesn't give up on us, so we can't give up on him, and we can't give up on ourselves either, but we can give it up to him. So whatever impossible situation that you're facing, you know, make sure you don't hold on to that. It's like that coffee travel mug example earlier. That's too much for us to handle on our own. We have to put it down. We have to give it to God and let him bear the weight of our burdens. You know, we can trust that God cares for us and so we can give our cares to him. So don't give up on God. Don't give up on yourself, but give it up to him. So your mission today, if you have chosen at this point to accept it, is to do just that, to give that impossible situation that you named earlier over to God and start to try to see it from his perspective. It's no longer impossible. It's now I'm possible. Replace the impossibility of your situation with truths and promises from God's word. Again, it's that whole don't focus on your bad news, focus on God's truth instead. Talked about to God about your situation and what you're going through. Really talk to him and pour your heart out. Be honest. Surround yourselves with other believers who can encourage you and support you and lift you up. And in the midst of all of your hardship, find ways to serve and be used by God. Let go of control of whatever situation you're going through and see how God starts to move in it. Trust him with this mission and let him make it a mission I'm possible. Let's go ahead and let's close in prayer. Well, Father God, we just thank you so much, Lord, that you love nothing more than to come beside us and rescue us, Lord, that you love to make the impossible into possible things for us, Lord. So we just pray for each one here today, whatever they're going through, Lord, you know, you know the challenges and the hardships that they face. And so, Lord, we just pray that you'd be with each one of us. We pray that we would have your supernatural strength to face these challenges, Lord, not on our own, Lord, but with you. We just thank you for all the ways that you're working and moving to bring blessings in the midst of hardships, God. We just thank you that you're a God, Lord, that wants to be with us so much, God, um, that you sent your son to die for us, Lord. So we just, we give this day to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful Sunday.